This morning we're going to be talking about being still before God, and that's maybe fitting in this time too, that we, we have all these things troubling our world and troubling our hearts, and there are things that we should absolutely pay attention to, and, and we should absolutely be asking God how we are to respond. But there are also times when God calls us to lay all the troubles of our hearts before him and to simply just be still. Because God is bigger than all of those problems. God takes all of these troubles. God takes all of these joys, all of everything, and he is in control of all of it. And once in a while, we're called to just be before God. And so today we're going to be diving into that. We're going to be looking at Matthew 12, and we're going to see an example of different approaches to the Sabbath. But before that, everyone has a pencil in front of them, or they should. Um, and when you walked in, there were note cards. If you didn't grab one, it's not a big deal, as long as you have something to write on, whether it's a scrap piece of paper or your bulletin or, or something, or your note card. Um, I've invented some words, and we're going to put them to use. So I want you to be able to write two sentences. The first sentence, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I am a, then leave a blank space, Sabbather. So I invented the word Sabbather, which is not that unusual for me. My undergrad degree was in sociology, and we like to invent words. You come up with a concept, and the words in our language just aren't good enough, so we adapt them a little bit. And that's what we did today. So our, our title of our sermon today is Successful Sabbathing, and that is the verb form of taking a Sabbath, or at least it is now. And you... Everybody in here is a Sabbather, but everybody in here is a different kind of Sabbather. It means that everybody approaches Sabbath a little bit differently. Um, and, and I want you to take just like 30 seconds to examine when you are faced with taking a Sabbath, what do you do? How do you go about it? How does God meet you in that? And then come up with a word for yourself. So label yourself as some kind of Sabbather. I am a blank Sabbather. And here are some examples. You don't have to take any of these, but they might just get your brain rolling. Um, they're all alliter alliterations because I don't know why. But um, the first is, I am a successful Sabbather. Maybe you take a very restorative Sabbath, a very holistic Sabbath, every week like clockwork. Maybe another one could be I'm a sort of Sabbather. So you're mindful to take a Sabbath, but things get in the way because life is busy and chaotic. Maybe you're a seldom Sabbather. There's too much to do and too little time. You want to, but it's not practical for you. Or maybe you're a sedentary Sabbather. You take a day of rest, but it really 
doesn't necessarily lift up your spiritual life any, in any way. So you're, you're not really doing anything with your Sabbath. It's just kind of existing. And there are so many more ways you can describe your, your Sabbath habits. So right now, fill in that blank. Just take 30 seconds and then turn to one or two people next to you, get in groups of two or three, and tell them, I am a blank Sabbather. And if you've used a really obscure word to label yourself that only means something to you, then maybe you should give a, a brief explanation to those around you. So take that time right now before we get started. All right, excellent. So let's move on. Our next sentence, we're not going to fill in yet, but I want you to write it down so that your brains are kind of thinking throughout the service. The next sentence you're going to write is, I want to be a blank Sabbather. Don't fill in the blank yet, but start thinking about it. All right, super. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you for bringing us together once again. Thank you that in the midst of chaos, in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of joy, in the midst of stress, in the midst of busyness, you are in control of all things. Thank you for the blessing that is your commandment of Sabbath. We ask now that you would prepare our hearts and our minds to hear your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so let's turn right now to Matthew 12. We're going to read verses 1 through 13, um, and we're going to take a little look at different approaches to the Sabbath. So be mindful of the way Jesus approaches the Sabbath versus the way that the Pharisees are approaching the Sabbath. Both think that they are doing it right. At about that time, Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they began breaking off some heads of grain and eating them. But some Pharisees saw them do it and protested. Look, your disciples are breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. Jesus said to them, Haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God, and he and his companions broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. And haven't you read in the law of Moses that the priests on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? I tell you, there is one here who is even greater than the temple. But you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of the scripture, I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath." 
Then Jesus went over to the synagogue where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. The Pharisees asked Jesus, does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? They were hoping he would say yes so that they could bring charges against him. And he answered, if you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand, and it was restored, just like the other one. Now, a couple of thoughts were on my mind this week. The first, and probably the most prominent, was the Psalm 4610, um, Be still and know that I am God. And it just kept playing on repeat in my mind over and over. Be still and know that I am God. And it made me think of our fourth commandment. Honor the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And I had to laugh a little bit because that's actually a hard commandment. But of all the commandments to get all worked into a hullabaloo over, why would it have to be that one? It kind of reminds me of when I was working at the daycare because toddlers don't actually like naps, but it's really good for them. So God is commanding us to take a rest and we're resisting and it just seems, it just seems strange to me. But um, this, this uh, passage in particular stirred a thought of this daycare to me because I, I had one-year-olds and two-year-olds, and when the two-year-olds were approaching like three, they wouldn't necessarily always sleep, but they still needed a time of rest, so we would have them on their cots, and they'd be allowed to just look through books or do something very quiet. And even in that rest, they were restored. Well, the rest of them took sleep, and they were also restored. Um, But we had this one little boy who, bless his heart, (laughs) always had to go out of his way to point out when others were doing wrong. And and he was one of the ones who definitely needed sleep. I promise he needed to sleep. Because if he didn't, there was a problem. Um, but every single time he saw one of his friends not sleeping, like if they were sitting on their cot reading a book, he would very loudly point, just so he could get my attention, point and say, he's not sleeping, he's not sleeping. And I, I thought it was a tad hypocritical. But then I, I think of this passage, and that's kind of what the Pharisees are doing. They see Jesus, and they're standing in wait to trap him, first of all. But they see Jesus doing something wrong on the Sabbath. He's, he's with his disciples, and they're, they're snapping off grains to eat. It, it seems like such a simple action. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's less work than conspiracy, but I could be wrong. So so they see the disciples doing something wrong, and they stop and they point, you're doing the Sabbath wrong. You're doing the Sabbath wrong. And I'm so reminded of that little boy. You should be resting. 
you should also be resting. Um, and yet, they were very convicted in this uh, because they did think that they were doing it right. So maybe we can just investigate a little further. Jesus and his disciples were walking along and they were picking off these heads of grain. They were hungry. But the Pharisees were following behind them or wherever they were, whether they were following them, whether they were just keeping very deliberate watch. The point is, they probably weren't there by accident. Um, And it was all to try and trap Jesus into doing something wrong because by this time they're pretty tired of him. Um, So harvesting wheat on the Sabbath was specifically forbidden. Um, But what that means is, is up for interpretation, right? Is it wrong to just pluck the head of a grain of wheat? In doing so, they broke three laws. Not necessarily laws from God, but laws of the day. Um, so, so the command to keep the Sabbath holy, I suppose, can be open for interpretation. There were guidelines, certainly, listed in the word, um, but there's some wiggle room. So different groups of Israel in, this, in the intertestamental period had different variations on how they, how they celebrated and kept the Sabbath holy. And one of those was to focus more on stillness and quietness of the mind and the spirit while still upholding the basic laws of not working. But then some of them were a lot more legalistic. And so the Pharisees came up with different ways of regulating this, and it became very, very nitpicky. Um, Is it considered harvesting when you snap a grain of, of wheat? Well, after you snap that grain of wheat, that's, that's one law broken. But then you separate it in your hands, separate the chaff from the wheat, and that's a second law broken. And then you grind it between your fingers so that you can eat it, and that's law three broken. So the Pharisees are technically breaking three laws, the disciples are, and the Pharisees are pretty excited And they confront Jesus about this. But Jesus takes them back to the scriptures. Because the scriptures definitely are known by the Pharisees. And the scriptures definitely outweigh these traditions that the Pharisees have invented. So Jesus argues back to the scriptures and he looks at David who on the Sabbath took the bread that was consecrated for the priests in the temple and gave it to his men. And and the priest sanctioned this action. And Jesus says, is that wrong? They weren't found guilty. And then... He points to the work that the priests do 
in the temple, even on holy days. Is that wrong? They're not found guilty. He reminded them that that work is God's work. That work is the work of, of mercy and of worship. And then he not so subtly let them know that one who is greater than the temple was there, that he is greater than the temple. And finally, he refers back to Hosea, reminding them that God requires mercy and not sacrifice. And all these tedious laws and all these little sacrifices that they had to make on the day of Sabbath were starting to get in the way. They were, they were becoming burdensome and wary. It's too hard to go about your day making sure that you are so keen to follow the Sabbath that you don't accidentally work. There is mercy in feeding the hungry. The Sabbath is a day of celebration. It is not a day to become weary and burdened. Is it wrong to just pick a piece of wheat to eat it? Is that considered harvesting? In all the work that the Pharisees were doing to make sure that they were adhering to God's laws, they forgot that God's laws were made for man. They were made for our benefit, and they forgot about mercy. Now, elsewhere in Matthew, Jesus was starting to speak against some of these um, more tedious traditions. Think of Sermon on the Mount, among other places. Jesus is redefining the law. He's not speaking against the law, but he's redefining it, and he's, he's establishing himself as Lord over the law. In this passage, he calls himself Lord of the Sabbath. He's saying, yes, this is the law, and the law is good, but I know what it means to follow it, and I want to show you. Now, Jesus is definitely not speaking against the Sabbath. In the, the Gospels, there are six confrontations that he faces over the Sabbath, and he never once fought against it, and he never once said you should not keep the Sabbath holy. That was a given. In fact, um, I was thinking back to Numbers 15, verses 32 through 35, about the man who gathered wood on the Sabbath, and his punishment was to be put to death. It's a big deal. So if you're thinking, well, the Sabbath isn't really an important law or an important commandment, you're wrong. It, it was just as important as the rest of them, and Jesus knew that, and he never spoke against that. Jesus knew exactly how important it was to take a Sabbath. The Pharisees weren't wrong in that. The law, all of the commandments that God gave were meant to be followed, even under the penalty of death. And there's good news in that, that Jesus died for us, and he's the complete fulfillment of the law. So we're saved from this death penalty through our faith in him. 
but it's still pretty intense. God's law was given as both a requirement and a blessing. And that's what the Sabbath should be. It should be a blessing and a requirement. It can't, it's really not one without the other. It's a both and type of a deal. It is a requirement. We do have to follow it. And yet, how great is it when we follow that? Like those toddlers, how great do they feel when they've had a good nap? And then they can get back to their exploring and their running around. But without that blessing of a nap, they're just drained and they have no energy and they're grumpy and they're beyond themselves. They don't want to take that nap because it's cutting into their exploring and it's cutting into their day. But when they do, they have so much more energy. It's just like that. This is a requirement. We have to do it. And yet when we do it, how good is it? Now, where does that leave us? It gives us two questions. Why is the Sabbath a requirement? Why is it even necessary? Why did God have to say, you take a rest? It seems, if I were God, I would maybe want my people to work really hard. I don't know. That's why I'm not God. Um, Among other things. But God was very mindful, and he said, you must take a rest. And other, also, what should a successful Sabbath look like? So first, why is it necessary? Well, it makes us trust in God's provision and his faithfulness. So Judaism was unique in their idea of taking a day of rest. The closest thing in the ancient world to a regular day off um, was something in Babylon called evil days. Uh, and it, they only occurred once a month on, on the lunar calendar, and not everyone took off. It was the king who abstained from certain duties, and it was other higher professions who abstained from certain duties on these evil days. But as you can imagine, something called an evil day is not necessarily spiritually filling. So this idea of Sabbath was really quite unique. One, it's once a week instead of every month. And two, it's a day of celebration. And it's a day of honoring God and looking at the restfulness that he gave. Now, the trust comes in this. Because the rest of the ancient world didn't take regular days off, they were not losing business and they were able to tend to their duties, and they were able to keep things up and running all day long, all week long. Whereas the Israelites had to take that day off and lose finances and potentially worry about that work that wasn't being done. It was an act of worship to take a Sabbath because you had to trust in God for those things that you couldn't control because you were being forced into this rest. It's a requirement. However, it also forces us to change our thinking. Not just on our day of rest either, but all week long. 
because you have to get in that mindset to prepare. If you're gonna take a whole day off, you have to prepare throughout the week. You have to say, all right, I'm gonna get everything in order so that on my day of rest, I can truly be still and know that he is God. And it's a time to set a day apart and just listen to him. What does it mean to be still before him? And what does it mean that he is God and he is in control over all the things that burden our hearts in this world? And it's time to be healed and restored because we get tired and that's where the blessing is that we are commanded to do something that is genuinely just good for us because God, at the end of the day, has us in mind first. That he loves us so much, he wants us to be well and whole and healthy. So it's necessary as an act of faith, but in stepping out in this particular act of faith, we receive just an enormous blessing. Now, what does a successful Sabbath look like? It really depends. This is where it gets kind of flexible. In Israel today, still, the Sabbath is very important. And on the Sabbath, it kind of shuts down, like the community kind of shuts down a little bit to the point where even the elevators open by themselves on every floor. They're programmed to do so so that you never have to work so hard as to press a button. And that might seem very nitpicky, and that might seem very legalistic, and yet I had a really good conversation with someone once about how that really made them trust in God. Because you have to stop yourself from doing the most basic of things, and you have to focus on God and trust in God for things you would normally work toward. That's not a wrong way of doing the Sabbath, as long as you're doing it for God's glory. Meanwhile, some people are very, very active on their Sabbath. They meet with friends, and they go a million places, and they do a million things, and that's not wrong either. We saw Jesus healed and walked on the Sabbath. We saw him being very active. But the thing is that Jesus always also took time for prayer and restoration. And he demonstrated that to us many times. It is not wrong to have your own style of taking your Sabbath as long as your heart is toward God in the meantime. But remember how at the beginning... I said that Psalm 46.10 had been on my heart. And that be still and know that I am God led me to the idea of Sabbath, which led me to this passage in Matthew. And that led me to looking at what a holistic Sabbath looks like. So no matter what your Sabbathing style, there is a holistic way of approaching Sabbath. And that caused me to look at at the word Sabbath, which in Hebrew is Shabbat, and it literally means to cease, to stop, to be still. It led me in a full circle. Be still, cease, and know that I am God. And that's the key. 
Every successful Sabbath should contain both of those thoughts. Be still, cease, and know that I am God. Stop what you normally do. Stop the things that drain your joy. Stop your work. Stop the burdens that distract you from God. Stop everything that distracts you from God. Stop the things that burden you physically. Stop the things that burden your heart. Stop. Cease. What do you need to cease in your life during a successful Sabbath? And the second part is, and know that he is God. Taking a little rest is super, but without the second part, you're really not keeping the Sabbath holy. So that commandment was, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. It has two parts, just like Psalm 46.10. Honor the Sabbath, be still, and keep it holy, know that he is God. Do you honor God with your restfulness? Do you depend on him for your restoration? When you cease to think about the burdens, is it because you are handing it to him and trusting in him to handle them? Do you take special time to acknowledge God's presence on the Sabbath? Do you allow him to meet you in a special way? How do you honor God? We, these things work together. When we know that he is God, it helps us to be still. And when we are still, it helps us to depend on him more so that we know that he is God. And that is such a deep blessing. Just the very thought of being allowed to be still before God and give over all things to him that clutter our mind and lobby for our attention, it's so liberating. And that doesn't mean we never think of them again. It just means that we allow him to be in control. But we aren't just allowed to be still before him. We're commanded to do that. We are commanded to experience liberation from the weight of life. And that is a really far cry from that burdensome Sabbath that we read about today. It is a real far cry from the tedious, overwhelming, legalistic approach to the Sabbath that, that said you absolutely cannot do these little tiny things and allowed no room for mercy that we are commanded to experience liberation from the weight of life takes in the idea of mercy. And it encapsulates this idea that Jesus had, that he can heal on the Sabbath because that is merciful and that brings rest and honor to God. And he can allow his disciples to pick grain on the Sabbath because that is merciful and it ends their hunger and it brings honor to God. And it's restful, and yet it's God-honoring. Now, because we live in such a busy, chaotic world, we may not be as successful in our Sabbathing as we would like. 
And because we live in such a busy, chaotic world, we all have different ideas of what a successful Sabbath looks like in our own lives. So earlier you wrote on your papers, I am a blank Sabbather. Now, as we end, I want you to write in your second sentence, I would like to be a blank Sabbather. And again, fill in the blank with whatever word God is putting on your heart right now. And think of that, what that means. Think of some goals for yourself for taking a Sabbath. Maybe that's as simple as actually taking one. But maybe it's more defined in trusting God that you can take a day off and not fall behind. Or maybe it means you should take an entire day of meditation. Or maybe it means seeing God and reconnecting him with him in a life-giving way. Or helping others to see God. What is your goal for your Sabbath? Go ahead and take about 30 seconds, and then we will pray. Gracious God, we thank you that your commands are uplifting, your burden is light. Thank you that you invite us to take Sabbath, to come and join you in the stillness. God, we ask as we go from this place that you would show us how to give over to you um, the chaos of life and that you would show us how to be still. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.